Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Angels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're locked in with your host, Brent McGuire. In today's episode, I talk to Jason Burke of the Locked On A's podcast. We discuss all things A's, where they're at, where he thinks the club is going to finish, and you're going to hear a conversation that I have with him on the next Locked On A's podcast coming up this week. And before we get into all of that, I'm going to touch on the gigantic trade that sent Nolan Arenado to the St. Louis Cardinals and an update on the upcoming 2021 season and how many games will be played. But before doing so, as usual, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at bmags94. You can follow my written work at Crashing the Pearly Gates. And if you haven't done so already, make sure to download, subscribe, rate, and review the Lockdown Angels podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And before getting into the episode, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code Locked On to get 20% off your next order for some of the most delicious protein bars on the market right now. So happy Monday. Uh, I tweeted this out over the weekend. I'm going to switch back to doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcasts for the foreseeable future up until we go back to full-time five days a week when the season comes around. So I wanted to include that at the very front of this episode. But happy Monday. I hope your weekend is going well. Very excited for today's episode. We have a lot going on. So I'm going to dive right into some of the news before you hear the conversation I had with Jason Burke of the Locked on A's podcast. So we got a monster trade on Friday that sent Nolan Arenado to the St. Louis Cardinals. And this all happened very, very quickly. I believe it was after I had finished recording on Thursday night for the Friday episode, news broke that the two sides were talking a deal. And 24 hours later, it was basically confirmed that Nolan Arenado was going to end up with the Cardinals. And this is a huge trade and it's very, very complicated. I don't want to dive into the exact specifics of it, but essentially the Rockies sent $50 million with Arenado to go play for the St. Louis Cardinals. They got a package of five prospects. None of them are super notable, but there is some value with each individual player. I have voiced my uh, concerns with the Rockies over the last couple years. I feel like their approach to the entire situation has been completely misguided. It's very, very difficult to sign a guy to an extension and immediately alienate him with all of the uh, activity, or I should say lack of activity that the Rockies had. So yeah, I mean, this really isn't good for the Rockies. It's not good for the sport. We've seen a really growing trend of teams trading their superstars, whether it's Nolan Arenado, Francisco Lindor with Cleveland, Mookie Betts with the Red Sox. It For a team that's trying to grow and continue to market their absolute best players, it would be awesome to see the teams that draft and develop these players to actually keep them around long-term, and that's not happening. Look, I, I understand the business side of it. The Rockies are not going anywhere right now, and the rest of the division is getting very, very good very quickly. So I understand the optics of it. I really do. But I also look at the Rockies as a team that doesn't really have much of a direction at this point. I'm not sure what the next me- uh, the next move is, whether it's trading Trevor Story, maybe trading Herman Marquez, who I have been very vocal about wanting to come to the Angels. So 
We'll see what happens. For the Cardinals, this is a win. There's no other way to look at it. Yeah, maybe Arenado isn't as good as they might expect him to be, but I see no reason why you don't make this move if you're the Cardinals. He can opt out after, I believe, 2021 or 2022, so there is some risk involved with this deal for them, but yeah, this is a no-brainer. The Cardinals uh, made the move that's probably going to make them the favorite in the NL Central, so big win for the Cardinals, less so for the Rockies. One more topic I want to touch on really quick before getting into this conversation with Jason Burke. So we got a report on Sunday, early in the day, from Tim Brown of Yahoo Sports, who said Major League Baseball uh, sent over another proposal to the Players Association. This deal included an 154-game season without prorating play, so they were going to get paid their full 162 games and delay the season by month, expand the playoffs. There's the universal... DH in the offer and seemed to be like this was pushing towards a deal that was going to make sense for both sides. I still feel like it's not completely fair to the players. I still believe that a lot of the expanded playoff uh, has to do with making more money for major league teams and that money not going to the player. So I understand that. And I guess maybe unsurprisingly, we saw later on in the day, a report from Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich of The Athletic basically saying the players do not like the deal. So it's looking like we're going to have another stallmate uh, regarding both the MLB and the Players Association. So I guess this is something we will have to monitor over the coming weeks. Really, a lot of this has to do with the pandemic because under the current CBA, the Collective Bargaining Agreement, Major League Baseball cannot make changes like this unless there is a health reason to do so. So if things calm down, the vaccine is distributed uh, across the sport and they're able to play, well, they're probably going to end up playing the full 162-game season with no expanded playoffs. So something to monitor coming forward. But yeah, it looks like we're doing the same exact thing that we did in 2020. But with that being said, we're going to get into this conversation with Jason Burke of the Locked On A's podcast. All right. I am very excited to be joined by a special guest. We've got Jason Burke from the Locked On A's podcast. Jason, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on, Brent. Yeah, of course. I'm pretty excited to talk both Angels and A's baseball. So just to give the listeners a little heads up, we're going to talk mainly A's baseball today and get Jason's perspective on the A's. And then we're going to kind of switch over, talk some Angels baseball. Most of that will be on Jason's podcast. So let's start this off by just kind of touching on the experience of being an A's fan. You know, it, I imagine it's a volatile experience. There's a lot of up and down results. There's like a lot of peaks and valleys that kind of aren't very common in baseball, the way it happens for the A's. And a lot of that is kind of inflamed by the nature of their front office. So I kind of want to hear what that experience has been like to just not necessarily know that a current run is going to be sustained for very long. I mean, I came of age during the big three, Tejada, Giambi, all those guys, and then you see them go away. And it's just kind of ingrained in you at this point, you know, 20 years later, you're like, yeah, it's just what happens. Um, you can usually see it coming by this point, uh, especially after 2014, when they broke apart that team, you're like, all right, well, you see that they 
aren't going to be performing for much longer or, you know, they got Chapman and Olsen. Those guys are going to get traded away at some point because they got to retool for the future and all that stuff. Um, it's going to be a really weird one when it comes this time, because my assumption is Chapman and Olsen would be gone after this coming season, I believe, just so you get the most return. But then you still got maybe AJ Puck, who's got years of control left. Uh, Jesus Lazardo, same thing. So I don't know what they're necessarily going for, if not a championship right now. And uh, if you've been paying attention to the A's transaction wire, they're not going for that. So something is going to change. And I assume that it's not uh, John Fisher, the owner, spending more money. So uh, that's that's what it's like to be an A's fan <laughs> in summation. <laughs> Yeah, so you kind of touched on where they're at right now, and they've lost a lot of talent. Losing Marcus Semien, Liam Hendricks, even Robbie Grossman, like Tommy Listella, these are nice players to have. I don't want to undersell what the A's can possibly do because I feel like I've done this so many times before, and there are still so many like under-the-radar guys, like the guys like Mark Canna, the guys you just mentioned, guys that are still there. But what's your what's what's your read on the situation right now? What do you see this team doing this season? I have a very uh, I don't even know if it's an unpopular opinion at this point, but I did some research, and if you looked at Marcus Simeon's numbers defensively, uh, DRS, you know, basic uh, FanGraph stuff, it his increase in defensive run production, uh, being better at defense easily correlated with Matt Chapman joining the A's and uh, Matt Chapman went down for half a season wasn't necessarily himself because of his hip injury in 2020 Marcus Simeon's numbers also went down so is he really that great defensively I don't know so if you could find somebody to replace offensively over there you should be getting some decent defensive production as well you can find somebody who's a little bit uh, you know lacking defensively plug them in over at shortstop, you're probably getting a decent left side right there. And uh, so I think you can replace him on the field. You've seen a lot of reports though, where he's a big guy in the clubhouse. He was a leader in the clubhouse. He's, you know, somebody from, from the area. And uh, the fact that they couldn't sign him for one year at whatever, and they offered him this slap in the face deal where it was 12 and a half million dollars with 10 million of it deferred uh, is just ridiculous. And I don't know how well that's going to sit to all these guys who still have contracts with the A's. So uh, there's that Uh, Liam Hendricks, obviously he was great. He was never going to be re-signing with the A's. And for that point, I don't think that uh, Marcus was necessarily going to be on the A's radar for them, especially at the money that they got. But if they could get him around, you know, the $12 million that they offered him, if it would have been all up front, that's probably where I would have seen them maxing out anyway. Um, just because he, he has been volatile. He's not necessarily that third place MVP finisher in all of the other seasons. Is that the outlier or is that kind of his ceiling? I feel like there's, he has a higher ceiling than the other guys like, uh, Angelton Simmons, former angel that were on the free agent market, but I don't know that he was going to be getting big money or especially from the A's. So they've lost some guys, but I don't know that they're irreplaceable. Liam Hendricks, they DFA'd him just a couple of years ago. They can, they, they do a good job with uh, bringing random guys in and making them key bullpen parts. Uh, Birch Smith, who only pitched like 10 innings last year, he seemed like he was really good and they got him for nothing from the Giants. So they, they've made a bunch of moves, just bringing in random guys, making them non-roster invitees. If a couple of them stick, they have a decent bullpen all of a sudden. Then you got uh, guys in the rotation that you're like, hey, the, 
if everybody kind of gets more consistent, stays healthy, they have a, the makings of a rotation here. Um, if Luzardo makes that next step. So uh, in summation, I, I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, they, they lost some guys, but we'll see. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I really want them to get somebody at shortstop to up the offense a little bit, and then they can platoon Chad Pender and Tony Kemp or Vimeo Machine or whoever, and then you'll be okay at second as well. But if you got Tony Kemp as your starting shortstop or uh, starting second baseman and Chad Pender as your starting shortstop, you might be in a little bit of trouble right there, and then the division's kind of wide open from that point. We're going to finish this conversation with Jason Burke here in a little bit, but first, let me tell you about Bet Online. There is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Whether it's the upcoming Super Bowl or the new NBA or NHL season, look no further than BetOnline. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline your online sportsbook experts. I've got to tell you about Built Bar. These are absolutely some of the most delicious protein bars that I have ever had. I recently indulged in getting the mint brownie and cookies and cream bars after getting a sample from Built Bar, and they are really, really good. They're delicious. There are a variety of different flavors. They're all covered in 100% chocolate, and maybe most importantly, they're soft, easy to chew, and taste like a candy bar. And obviously, if you're getting the Built Bars, you're getting it for health reasons. And lucky for you, they are great for the health-conscious guy or gal. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber and work in any kind of diet. So if you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON right now, you'll receive 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast from. So, We'll come back at the end with some like predictions and whatnot for the season, but I did want to kind of get into some of the more, I guess you would call them the polarized topics. So the first one I want to touch on is we kind of touched on John Fisher. And this is a guy that according to Forbes is worth $2.2 billion. Yet Oakland is always near the bottom of payrolls. I want to get your perspective on this. Is this as complex or is this as easy as it seems? Is it just an organization being cheap or is there something else that's going on that kind of explains this discrepancy between a very rich human being not spending as much money on his team as he probably should be uh, i think that he's just cheap if we're being honest um yeah I, I did a little bit of research and it looks like all of his money has come from his parents who started the gap so he's never like worked for his money necessarily um that might be wrong, but that's the sense that I got in reading up on him because there's not a lot on him on the internet because uh, he's a secretive man, which is wonderful. I also think that he, I, I saw somewhere that he was worth 2.9 million. So he might, have, or 2.9 billion may actually be worth even more. And uh, I, I don't know why, if he wants to get out of 
being with the A's because he was a Giants fan to begin with. Uh, why not make them a better team? Make them, you know, a shinier prospect to another owner or a potential owner and, uh, you know, sell them for more down the line. Like uh, in just a couple of seasons, I'm pretty sure that the A's TV contract is up and they have a crappy one right now that they got locked into before that big boom if you want more money, you spend more money now, more people watch your program for the next three years, and then your deal expires. All of a sudden, look, you have all of this extra money. You got to spend a little bit up front. So he's just being cheap is uh, my conclusion on that one. So kind of in a similar realm, uh, this kind of has to do with the stadium. A big part or a decently big part about making money in sports is getting fans to come to the games. And obviously, that didn't happen last year, but the A's are also a team that are generally near the bottom in attendance. But I think there are a lot of factors for why that is. Cause I know there are lots of A's fans out there just based on interactions and their location. What I'm trying to get at is a couple weeks ago, we had something from the San Francisco Chronicle saying that former A's pitcher, uh, Dave Stewart submitted a $115 million bid to buy a share in the Coliseum site and has this big vision. Is this finally the time that the A's are going to move into a ballpark that feels like it's more appropriate for them and can, can kind of bring more fans to the yard? I have no idea. Um, that, that's where the science, the silence came from for a second. Uh, I remember being at SF state 15 years ago when I did, a speech on, Oh, this is where the A's ballpark is going to be. It's going to be in Fremont, this and the, and uh, yeah, nothing came of that. And we've been told all these pipe dreams before until there are shovels in the ground. I don't believe anything about new stadiums. Um, yeah. I, I just don't hold my head on that one uh, too much. And same thing with like the, if the A's don't look like they're going for it, then whatever, I guess I get excited for every season, but I also may, look other places as well. Like I see the Mariners doing some stuff and I'm like, Hey, they're, they're kind of intriguing. I want to see Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kellenick come up. I want to see what they're about. So uh, maybe I watch some Mariners games. I don't know. Um, I, I'm going to watch every A's game. Just, just that's what I do. But um, yeah, I have no idea what's going on with the stadium situation. I'm sure that once COVID gets cleared up, maybe we'll know a little bit more, but the more time that passes the least, the less likely it uh, seems like there's going to be a Howard terminal uh, situation uh, moving forward. And maybe they got to build at the Coliseum site and they're just wasting time at this point. So who knows? I don't know. And for the record, I actually like the Coliseum. I was at a game uh, that was 2019 and I've never had a bad experience going to games there. I actually really like the atmosphere because it's just, it just feels like you're going for the baseball game. It's not necessarily, Oh, this beautiful ballpark. You're not going to Oracle. You're not going to Petco Park. You're just going to watch a baseball game. And yeah, it's not the nicest stadium by any means, but there's something fun and unique about that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, a lot of baseball fans, especially living in the city for a decade, they go for going out to be with their friends, having a bunch of beers and getting drunk and, you know, being there kind of thing. They don't go to watch baseball at all. They don't know what's going on in the field. And uh, in Oakland, people go and they know, more more often than not what's going on who the players are who's good who's bad and uh you know all that stuff and that's part of what i like about the coliseum uh one thing that i do want them to do with 
the new ballpark whenever that comes is uh i went on a ballpark tour at chase field and they had all the seats facing towards home plate and that was the coolest idea ever um i had season tickets down the third base line in 2014 i believe and uh you're basically looking towards right field and it, it hurt my neck is what yeah. I'm going to, I'm getting old. It hurt my neck and I really want them to have seats that face towards home plate. Uh, Petco park does the same thing. And I totally agree. I think that should be like a prerequisite <laughs> for any new ballpark that's built. Um, so I want to move on to Billy bean and I'm really just asking, does, has anything changed since Billy bean started pursuing these other adventures? I won't go into the exact details, but he's essentially trying to pursue this ownership group that is going to try to basically get ownership in other teams. Has anything changed in that regard with the front office? Or is it kind of just like, he's just kind of slowly moving out of the picture, but things are operating as normal. A couple of months ago, it sounded like he was definitely out the door. It just, you know, had the signs of my eyes, dots and T's. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and then last week, uh, apparently that fell through. So his, deal to work with John Henry for a second time fell through. And I just found that really funny. Um, yeah, he's sticking with the A's for the 2021 season at the very least what's next on the docket. I don't know, but, um, it does sound like he's nearing the door, but he's not out quite yet. You can see the end in sight, but, uh, he's still got some, I'm sure that he'd love to, you know, make another run with this team, but they're not spending any money whatsoever. So, um, we'll see. All right. I want to finish off this podcast by just kind of wrapping it up and talking about this season and where the angels and A's are going to finish. So we just got a report from Tim Brown saying it looks like there might be a 154 game season. So sounds like the games played will be similar, but we also get expanded playoffs again. And I don't know what your thoughts are on the expanded playoffs, but for us covering teams, like the Angels and A's who might be kind of in the middle, that works to their benefit. So I guess my first question from this regard is, if there are expanded playoffs, do you see the A's making it in? I think so. Um, basically, if they did anything at shortstop, I'd feel a lot better. But right now it's still Chad Pender, who's fine. But um, I feel like if they thought he was an everyday player, they would have let them do it over the course of the last three years, as opposed to trading for uh, jerks and Profar and all these other guys. Um, yeah. That, I mean, it's part of the reason you guys got Franklin Barreto is because he, he didn't have a spot. So uh, Chad Pender is better than that, obviously, but um, I, I just don't think that right now they're assured a playoff spot. I think that they're still good enough to compete for the division, but guaranteed probably not expanded playoffs. You got to like their chances. They still got most of their team there. Uh, if Jake Diekman is the real deal, obviously he's going to allow more than one run in a full season. But um, if he has figured something out and he can get those walks in, in order a little bit, he's Liam Hendricks now. Uh, who would be the Jake Diekman? Probably J.B. Wendelkin. And then you move down the line and you got a bunch of question marks. But uh, they, they've got the makings of a bullpen. If they can stay healthy in the rotation, they've also got a lot of uh, young guys that are AAA ready, ready to make that next jump, uh, like James Caprillian, Dalton Jeffries. Uh, they, they brought in some other guys in the winter, too. So they've got some depth in the rotation for those injuries when they do occur. But 
Um, I think that my main question is how are arms going to be holding up after the, the shortened season last year when trying to stretch them out into pitching 160, 107 innings after only throwing like 60 or 70 last year. So that's something that I think that uh, they're not spending money to address. So hopefully all of these additions that they've been making uh, work out or else they're screwed. So I think that the, the Astros, Angels, and A's are all pretty close. Bet Online has the A's as the favorite. So I'm going to go with them as the favorite right now, but I don't feel it. But the betting line says yes. So maybe I should believe in my team slightly more than I do right now. Okay. You kind of just answered my final question, but I guess I'll put you on the spot. And it's a little weird because there might be fewer games, but what's your win prediction for the A's this season? Well, they've won 97 games the last three years. And I think that that is way too high for this year. Um, I mean, they could be a roughly 500 teams. They could win like 85 games. If they make a move, they could win 90, I think. Although I I know that they've lost some guys. Uh, Hendricks is the big one, obviously, in the bullpen. But they also lost uh, Yuzmero Petit, who's been really good for them. He's been there every other day, basically. Joaquin Soria has been really good for a couple of years. So they, they... they're missing some of that depth in the bullpen. And I don't know that that's going to necessarily come through, but if you take out a few guys, you're losing like 10 wins. So I'll say 87 and that's over the course of 162. So take it down a couple 85, 84, somewhere in there. Maybe it's enough. Maybe it's not. I don't know. And that's the with Chad Pinder as the starting shortstop. If they make a move, Hey, maybe they go up a little bit. Maybe uh, they get Trevor story from the Rockies. If they want to kick in, you know, 18 and a half million dollars to cover his contract. Uh, that would be right up the A's wheelhouse. So uh, that would be wonderful. Uh, good stuff. We'll have to come back to this at the end of the season and see how accurate these predictions were. So uh, Jason, thank you for joining uh, fans. You're going to hear me talk with Jason about the angels on a, I'm assuming, assuming they're very cast on locked on A's. So Stay tuned for that. But anyways, uh, Jason, thank you for joining the show. Thank you for having me. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Angels. Uh, Big thank you to Jason Burke for joining the show. Jason and I continued this conversation after this recording, and you're going to hear that part on the Locked on A's podcast. So stay tuned for that. I'll probably post the link to it on Twitter. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed talking with Jason. I'll make sure to drop his information on Twitter. He's a very good follow, very informative on all things baseball. So in terms of what's coming next, we are not doing a Tuesday podcast. We're going to do Wednesday and we've got a fun guest for that show. And it's a little embarrassing because I was mispronouncing her name on the last podcast on Friday, but Maria Torres, not Mariah Torres is going to join the show. And we're going to talk a lot of different things. We're going to talk about her experience covering the Angels at the Los Angeles Times. We're going to talk about what it was like during the pandemic 2020 season. We're going to touch on her article about Trevor Bauer and what's next for the pitching staff and many more things. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be on Wednesday's episode. But in the meantime, that's going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you for joining. Stay safe out there. We will talk on Wednesday for some Angels baseball.